it'll be 16 years August, we, we got to move to Cleveland County, and I'm thankful Lord let us here from uh, another state. And uh, one thing that was uh, interesting when we moved, though, it was very hard for us to, to get engaged, to get connected, to get in relationship. And I remember that first uh, Labor Day we were here, and it was like, we had nothing to do. Uh, no one invited us over, and uh, we didn't have a lot of uh, community at the time. But, but what was special, I know that actually was Labor Day weekend, uh, Saturday, Sunday. And then Monday got here, and a, a fellow we met through this church, a guy by the name of Earl Philbeck, uh, he said, uh, hey, Gary, why don't you and your family come on over today? We're having some people over, and we want to just uh, you know, have fellowship with you. So that was uh, uh, one of those times that I remember that God was gracious to us and he showed us generosity in relationship and he took us in. And again, we were from a, uh, we talked funny and we were from another part of the, the country and we moved here and, and God just let us uh, become part of the church family not too long after that. And I just remember the, the, the relationship that even started to this day with the with the Philbeck family. Uh, as we think of this idea of generosity, this is in our introduction, generosity touches every aspect of our life, our money, our time, and our relationships. And you know, being generous is an important matter to God. And, and, and he was challenged, it's, it's a challenge though sometimes for us to be open and to be available to others, but, but it's so uh, important and vital. And I, I know we often think of generosity and the idea of our, our tithes and offerings, and that's important, but uh, maybe it's a little harder for you to be generous in your relationships, to be generous to people who uh, are in your life or, or, or should be in your life. Uh, and, and to reach into those lives. Uh, a couple passages by way of introduction that I want to reference. I know this was in last week's message, 1 Timothy 6, verse 18, where it says, they, referring to those who have been blessed with, with, with a lot of uh, material wealth, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous, and to be ready to share. Psalms tells us, Psalm 37, verse 26, he is ever lending generosity and his children become a blessing. Another Psalm, Psalm 112, verse 5 says, it is well with the man who deals generously and lends who conducts his affairs with justice. And then one more in Proverbs 14, verse 21, we read, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. God wants us to be generous people. It's a very important part to walking with Christ that we're to be generous. Um, and today I'd like us to just think of that as we, as we look at an example in Scripture of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. So you can turn there. I would like to just mention one other passage, though, Romans 12, verse 10, where it says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference, preference to one another. Very important to God. You know, I think today's Mother's Day and we, we celebrate moms and we're thankful for them. And uh, what's beautiful about that is uh, we have a holiday set aside for moms. But, but I, I encourage you moms and thank you moms for being ones who have been generous in relationship. I mean, probably there's not a more generous person in the world than, than godly moms. And uh, I know I was privileged to have a mom who, who was very generous. She had eight kids. I was number six of eight. And uh, it was three years ago uh, that she passed. Um, in fact, she would have been 90, 
one years old on Friday, and I still miss talking to her. And, uh, but she was just generous. Uh, something in our home that was uh, very uh, testing. We, uh, at the age of 15, my dad developed colon cancer, and then he died about a year later. And uh, mom was generous. I mean, she played a very important, significant role in our, our lives, and she, she spent time. And, you know, uh, us four youngest boys, we were, like, rough. And she, uh, she stayed with us and prayed for us, made sure we were in good church, beat us a little bit, and that didn't hurt us a bit. Um, so, so use that. Um, but the idea of being a mom is a, a great picture of, of generosity, and, and as we uh, plow through this message today, I'd like you to think with me of a, an example of one who was very generous in his relationships. And that, that is the, the, the example we get from the Good Samaritan. It says this uh, in Luke 10, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, talking to Jesus, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The passage goes on to say, and he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, you know we're good at that, aren't we? Uh, he, He said to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? And then he gives a perfect example of what a neighbor should be. And that's the great thing about Jesus. He gives us stories, and because he's the son of God, because he's deity, he he gives us uh, how we should live and how we should model life. And he says this, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus says, go and do likewise. As we look at this and as we plow through this, this idea of being generous in our relationships, we see qualities that this Samaritan had that I'd like us to see if we can grasp this morning. And the first quality he had is he was open and he was, his eyes were opened to the needs around him. His eyes were opened to the needs around him. In verse 33, it says, when he saw him. Um, the first two men saw him, but they didn't really see him. Their, their seeing did not lead to action. The Samaritan, when he saw, he saw someone who really was probably the least of these. And he went to him and he built into his life. You know, oftentimes we see needs, but we don't really see needs. What I like about the Samaritan, he impacted a life. Howard Hendricks made a statement uh, before he passed, and the statement was this, you can impress people from a distance, 
but you can impact them up close. You know, sometimes we're baffling with our stuff, with maybe even our careers and with our gifts, but you know, that's really not impacting lives. What really impacts, impacts lives is when you pull in close to people and rub shoulders with them and engage them and get close to them. God wants us to do that. This Samaritan here sees a man beat down, sees a man who was left on the road to die. Some would say that this Samaritan was a a useless man, a, a man who had no meaning. But the Samaritan saw a man in need. First of all, the good Samaritan saw someone who needed him and he needed compassion. He, he needed connection in his relationship. Too often, I think we're so inward focused that we fail to see what's going on around us. You know, we, we make it about ourselves. We make it about what we want, what our needs are. And yet, the Samaritan here sees the pain. He sees the suffering He sees the need. He wasn't inward focused. He was outward focused. Even in the busyness of his day, as he journeyed and as he had other plans, what's he do? He stops. Um, You know, a lot of times when things come into our life, we we see them as as interruptions. And yet, I think, think God brings things into our life so we can have an appointment for maybe what he has to show us, what's there for us to see. You know, the priest, the Levite, they saw him, but they did not act on the interruption. You know, I think sometimes we fail to make time, make an effort for people. And yet, we've said before, you can only take one thing to heaven with you, and that's other people. And God wants us to build into lives. I, I, I like to look at houses. Houses uh, are fun. Um, and sometimes we'll drive through neighborhoods and say, I wonder what goes on in that home. I wonder what goes on in that home. But, but uh, what's interesting is uh, the older homes. Picture some of the older homes in Cleveland County. You know, those older homes are places where if you look at them, most of them anyway, you see big front porches. And I think back in that day when that house was built, that was a place where people were welcoming and saying, come on in. Come on up and sit on the porch swing with me and let's do life together. And yet there's newer homes. I live in an older home, by the way. (laughs) The porch isn't real big, uh, but you can come by. We got a glider there to uh, sit on. Uh, it's a glider for two, you know, just don't get too close. Okay. But, but the idea is in the newer homes, if you look at them closely, they're typically built different. You know, the, the porch is smaller, but you go out back, you see a big old deck back there. You see a fence that covers your property. And so you can't see the neighbor's property because we kind of like our space, don't we? We, 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 we are, are too busy about the the, the, the urgent that we fail to do what's important. And I think sometimes if we were honest, we, we hurry home, we, we open the garage door, if you're fortunate enough, fortunate enough to have a garage, and you open the garage door and you pull in the garage, and then you hurry up and close the garage door so no one knows you're home. And then you go in, 
and you cook your frozen pizza and you're good. Like, yeah, leave me alone till the next day. And we fail to be engaged in doing life with those that are around us that are in need. Our own busyness gets in the way of ministering to those that are around us. Share the good news. I love Jesus' words in John 4, verse 35, where he says this. Do not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. John 4, 35. I like the way the message puts this on the bottom shelf for us. It says, when I'm telling you to open your eyes, well, well, I'm telling you to open your eyes, take a good look at what's right in front of you. These fields are ripe. It's harvest time. So my challenge with us, for us, for myself, is to pay attention to needs around you. Family needs, church needs, needs in the workplace, be available. That made the Samaritan generous. And then there's a second thought here, and we see that in verse 33 as well. It says here, the Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So what's that say to us? Open your heart to compassion. Open your heart to compassion. You know, this Samaritan was a great example for us of what Jesus was like and how we can be like Jesus. Jesus saw the people. He has compassion. He has compassion. His compassion led him to act. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, that great theologian, Calvin, Calvin Coolidge, remember him? He was one of our presidents. Uh, he said this, no person was ever honored by what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave. And, you know, really, givers are what it's, about, what it's all about. Followers of Christ are to be givers. Jesus saw people. He had compassion, and it led him to act. It led him to know limits. And then another thought here, as I think of this, uh, we're commanded to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We're to be doers of the word. And, of course, James uh, tells us this, be a doer of the word not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. You know, we're, we're good at hearing the word, but the application is that we do the word. We do what it says. We love our neighbors. We love our spouse. We love our children. We love our enemies. We're to be doers, the Bible says. And, and throughout the gospels, Jesus, you know, was a doer because he was moved with compassion. He saw her in Luke 7, verse 13. And he had compassion on her, and he said to her, don't weep. In Matthew 20, verse 34, we read, And Jesus in pity touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight, and they followed him. Again, a doer, and it led to Jesus to be compassionate. He was moved with pity in Mark 1, verse 41. And he stretched out his hand, and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. You know, it's very important that we are doers of the word. You know, in a great place, I just got to tell you, you know, I'd probably say something about connect groups, but a great place to be a doer of the word is in community groups. You know, it's great that you come in here and you're part of our, our gatherings. We want that. 
but we want you also to be a part of a community group, a connect group, a place where you can do life with one another, a place basically where you can sit on the front porch and, and, and have fellowship and Bible study and, and, and develop a prayer base to, to just be there for each other. You know, on Friday of this week, just a couple days ago, we buried one of our own, uh, a dear saint named Keith Cresswell. Maybe a lot of you in this gathering don't know him. He was uh, 86 years old, and he was one of our greeters. And uh, Keith was one of those guys that was just uh, full of life. You know, he cared. Uh, if you saw him, he'd give you a Bible verse and tell you Jesus loves you. But, but what's cool about that group or about Keith is he was part of a, a connect group uh, here in our church, and it meets on site. It meets at 8.30 in the morning, and they do life together. You know, they pray for each other. And, you know, these last uh, several uh, months, Keith's not been, been great in health, but you know who's been in his life? His connect group, those people who are there to, to be the neighbor to him, to, to love on him. You know, they were, were there to, to minister him to him. And God wants that. God wants us to be generous to those in our life. God wants us to be generous to our neighbors. You know, um, one of my neighbors lives two doors up. My, my son and his children live up there. And uh, uh, one of their children, uh, he's a little boy they adopted. He's three years old. His name's Isaiah. And he's a little African-American boy. And he comes down and he knocks on my door. Usually his swimsuit's on backwards and no shoes. And, and he goes, hey, neighbor. No lie. He says, hey, neighbor. And he comes in and we talk. And, and you know, I welcome my neighbor. One, because he's my grandson. And two, because he's, he's cute as can be. In fact, his hair is curly like mine. He goes, Grandpa, how come you have hair like, like me? And I go, because, and I said, because you're my grandson. <laughs> and he saw him a couple weeks ago. We were mowing the lawn. He's a little mischievous, and, and I, we were riding around, and he, uh, uh, I got a John Deere tractor, by the way. I'm kind of proud of that, you know. Um, it came with a house. But uh, so I'm, I'm doing, I'm running, and, 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 and he took the key out when we were driving along, and of course, it kept running. And uh, I went to empty the, the catcher in the road there, and it wouldn't start because there's no key. So I said, Isaiah, where's the key? And he goes, I took it out. So, so I said to him, I said, what are we going to do? And he goes, we should pray. No lie. Three years old. So, so I, you know, we, we, I had him pray, and I prayed to my heart. I said, Lord, let him see how you're real you are and show us this key. So we started walking the path that I had mowed already. And he said to me, Grandpa, will you give me a dollar if we find this key? And I said, pal, you lost it. And uh, so... So what was the coolest thing, you know, we, we prayed, and uh, I didn't give him a dollar, uh, but, but we looked down, and there in the grass on the deck was that key. Put that key in, started, and finished the yard. Now, I tell you that because he's my neighbor. He's a good neighbor. He helps me mow the yard. Uh, but, but we, we got to be there for those who are a neighbor. You know, you never probably turn your back on your grandkid or your child, but God wants us to be there for those people who our neighbors. He wants us to be generous in those relationships. There's two more thoughts here I want us to get to. And the third one would be this. Open your arms with practical help. Open your arms with practical help. In verse 34, it's cool. It says, and he set him on his own animal. That's practicality. That's basically saying, hey, 
just riding my car, you know. Um, and, and, you know, this guy probably wasn't, you know, in the, he wasn't in the best of shape. You know, he was wounded. You know, he probably got blood all over his donkey. And this was a fancy donkey, by the way. It was like a Lexus. And he gets, in that, he gets there and, and, he, and he gives his stuff to him. He, he uses his oil. He uses his, his, his wine. And he takes care of him. And, and what's cool is then he says to the innkeeper, he says, you know, here's what you need for right now. And if, if that's not enough, when I come back through, we'll square up then. You know, I did a little math. Let's say this, this uh, Samaritan made $40,000 a year. And we divide that $40,000 by 365. That equals $110 a day. So he puts him in a nice hotel, and he spends around $220 for him. And he, he didn't even know. He didn't even realize... Uh, who he was, but he gave because there was a need. The good Samaritan did practical things that made a difference at the moment. He did practical things that made a difference at the moment. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to say, you know what, Dusty, I'll pray for you. John, I'll pray for you. But there's a little more to that than just praying, you know. What needs are there besides prayer? And, and God wants us to go further. You know, it's great to see, you know, we usually have great fellowship here. Man, I missed you this week. It's been a great week. But you know what's really important? When Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday get here, making a connection with what's there, being available to what needs may be out there. That's practical things. That's practical Christianity. So, we do practical things. And then a second thought under this point is this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. I love Romans 12 where it says, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. You know, it's, it's, it's more than just lip service. It's, it's buying groceries maybe. You know, here's one. Maybe he, someone in your neighborhood has lots of family, uh, lots of kids, lots of laundry. Take home their laundry. Do a few loads of laundry. Maybe someone needs a ride to the doctor. Be there for them. <laughs> you know, I, I heard recently of a lady who was 102 years old. She lived in Chicago. And this lady, 102 years old, she died alone. And they, they went through her, her stuff, and, and they found some of her journal entries. And those journal entries said, no one called today. No one reached out. Haven't talked to anybody in days. You know, no one really loves me. And boy, it, it, it's very important that we seek out that person who's been robbed and be there for them. Take time. T take them a meal. In fact, have them over. You know, I think we've lost some of that living room front porch experience to where we, you know, even if you say, well, I don't cook well, just well, order a frozen pizza. Really, you can get them usually for five eighty-eight dollars uh, on sale. And, and they're good, too. I, I'm living testimony to that. <laughs> and then let them stay till after 9 o'clock. That's for me, because when, people, when 9 o'clock gets there, I say, hey, 
you know, the Lord's coming back. Go home. No, I don't say that. Hey, I will. New Year's Eve, we had people over and they stayed till well after midnight. And I was, I didn't lose my salvation either. I was it. I was it. So again, I encourage you to do this because there's lonely people again, you know, uh, 16 years ago, you know, we, we were uh, removed or left an area and come to this area. And Shelby is a great place. But boy, you know, thank the Lord for, for connection. People who just reached and helped and loved. You know, God wants us to be about one another. I, I'll tell you a little quick side note. One another's in the scriptures. There's 59 one another's in the Bible, in the New Testament, actually. There may be more, but uh, I was up last night and I counted 59. Um, I didn't. Uh, but the study tells us that there's 59 one another's out there to love one another, to get along with one another. Don't be critical of one another. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. Be compassionate and forgive one another. Confess your faults to one another. Love one another is used probably about eight times as a one another. And God wants us to do that, to, to circle up and do life. And see, really healthy connection and community groups in a church has those one another as, as a component. Open your eyes to the needs that are out there. Open your hearts to compassion. And then there's a fourth thought as we think of being generous in relationship, and that is open your mind to follow up. Open your mind to follow up. Did you see the follow up in verse 35 of Luke 10? When I come back, we'll square up. That's that's follow-up. That's, that's taking time to be there for the whole process. That's going the extra mile. Um, several months ago, God led a young mom here, a single mom, with uh, two twin little girls. And uh, it was so precious to see a, a ladies' connect group and that leader of that connect group to just reach into the life of that little young mom and, and minister to those twins and to be there in, in life uh, with her. And just love on them and show them Jesus. You know, again, it's, it's easy to, to, to preach to them Jesus, but the follow-through of being Jesus, the follow-up is what it's all about. And God wants us to do that. And, and the good Samaritan, he, he modeled follow-up. He modeled that one another in Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And, you know, the difference, I believe, between a person who's making a difference and the person who is not, is that person that goes the extra mile. God wants us to be extra milers, go the extra mile. I'm so thankful for people who went the extra mile in my life. Remember I told you my dad died as a teenager and mom was wise enough to get us into a local church and we were part of a local church. It was a smaller church. Uh, we didn't have a, a student minister and uh, there was a, a, a group of volunteers in that church who were volunteers to us uh, kids, and they, they, they did life with us. They had us over to their home. They, they, they uh, took us to basketball games. They, they fished with us. They, they took us hunting and stuff that, you know, I'd never done, and stuff that a dad can typically do in the life of a, of a, per, of a teenager, but, but they were there for us as a family, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for people that are volunteers, that are open, and God wants that to be us. You know, that's why we have a church. To, to do life with people and to minister to people, to do follow-up with them. The Good Samaritan didn't know this guy, but once he stopped, once he bent down and started helping, a relationship 
began. And the cool thing was the Holy Spirit spoke to, to the Good Samaritan and he acted on the Holy Spirit speaking. And you know, sometimes we know the Spirit's speaking to us. We know we should be maybe buying some groceries. We know we should be there for someone, but we just don't listen to the Spirit and we miss out on a blessing. So if God speaks to your heart, follow through and do it. And then a third thought, follow through isn't easy. It takes energy, it takes effort, it takes a genuine God-given compassion. And you know, you can't fake it. You can't fake genuine compassion and follow through. And God wants us to be a church like that. And I'm thankful that we're a church like that. So here's the application. The Good Samaritan. In this Luke 10 message, there's there's three people that make up this, uh, this story. The robbers, the religious, and then the redeemed. Of course, the robbers, here is their attitude. What's yours is mine, and if I want it, I'm going to take it. So they beat the guy up, and they left him for dead. And then there's the religious, that priest, that Levite. What's mine is mine, and if you need it, you can't have it. I'm way too busy. I'm way too important to be bothered. But the redeemed, and that's where we should be living. That's the Samaritan. What's mine is yours. And if you need it, it's yours. That's genuine sacrificial love. Jesus, our good Samaritan. I think back to the age of 16 years old and Jesus saw me in desperate need, a bruised, beaten down, teenager really in bondage. But in his amazing grace and mercy, he had compassion on Gary and he reached down and he loved me. And there were people who modeled that love of Jesus. So don't allow yourself to ask, who is this man and how did he get here? Is he a friend or is he an enemy? Do I even know this person? Probably he got here because he did something to deserve it. You're not allowed to ask that. And then is he of my color? Is he of my family? Is he of my people? Instead, open your eyes and your heart and your arms and your mind to Jesus. And quit making excuses. Come on, here's what we do, because I use these. Well, I'm in a hurry. I got to get my yard mowed. I got to get to Walmart so I can get home. (laughs) Do we let someone else do it? Or is someone else even better at doing this? And then we'll even say, well, there's so many needs out there. There's too many. I'm just going to bail. We can't have those attitudes. Which of these three, back to our notes, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and you do likewise. That's for us. Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Thanks, God, that we can enjoy your word. And and Lord, it teaches us so much. It teaches us how we should live like Jesus. We should love like that. And I just pray, God, as we continue this journey to do life as a church, that we truly would be a church that is about your business and modeling Jesus Christ and modeling the Good Samaritan. Lord, he was so generous. He models for us generosity and relationships. 
And I just pray, God, that we give of ourselves, our time, our talents, and our treasures to, to benefit the kingdom of God. So, Lord, thank you for each that's here today. And I just pray as we go into this time of invitation, Lord, that we would let you work. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me this morning? And myself and some other pastors are, are here at the front.